It's summer solstice, a brand of ice lolly. Ooey you do you look just like Buddy Holly? Thanks to Shauna from Adelaide, we are starting this episode with a line we have never started an episode of Answer Me This before, which is, my husband is a cobbler. (laughs) The other day, he took in a pair of boots, and when he started to repair them, he realised there was something shoved down in the front of the boot. This is not that unusual. Sometimes fastidious people stuff their boots with paper so they keep their shape. Mm. However, on pulling out the items, he discovered a G-string, not for a guitar, a sports bra and a crop top, obviously used Ooh. and sweaty. Dear. Anyway, we had a bit of a brainstorm over a glass of booze and decided that the correct course of action was to bag these items separately and hand them back to the customer with the mended boots. Mm-hmm. Satisfying all round. No one gets embarrassed, but a very subtle shaming nonetheless. I agree. Uh, what what is left for us to comment on here? What problem could be left to solve? However, my husband has now forgotten which customer is responsible for stuffing her soiled unders into her boots. Oh dear. Is it Ms. Harris or Ms. Vandergast? That's not the question for us. Ollie, answer me this. What is his course of action now? I don't understand. Do you understand? Surely whoever comes to pick up the boots is the correct person. Why, why do you mm. have to know beforehand? That's an interesting point. You give the bag with the boots. Yeah, but if they've both got boots, I mean, there must be a reason why he's confused. Maybe he's forgotten which boots he took the items out of. I I actually think the solution to this is fairly simple. It would be embarrassing to give someone's soiled knickers back to someone to whom they didn't belong. Yes. Uh, However, if you had planned to do what really you should have planned to do all along, which is launder the knickers and then give them back in a nice sealed bag, as if you're a dry cleaner's, not just a cobbler. I know that's going to cost you a little bit. It's above and beyond. It's above and beyond. handle them anyway, but let alone clean them. Sure. But what, if if, you... what if they wash them on the wrong cycle and the knickers and sports bra get degraded but and they get blamed? That's unlikely. Uh, I think uh, if you'd done that and then they were nicely presented, then it's not embarrassing, especially if you put the crop top over the top so that the person who it isn't can't see that there's knickers in there. I think the To crop- just say, are these your clothes as well to the customer when they come in? And if it isn't, they'll say no. If it is, they'll say, oh, you laundered them for me as well. That is so sweet of you. And then you've built customer loyalty into what could have been an embarrassing uh, incident. I would be unbelievably creeped out if a stranger did my laundry for me even if it was even because I'd given it for- to them yeah yeah but I hadn't deliberately given it to them yes I would hate it um I don't think you need to launder them though for that Ollie I think your your most important suggestion was putting the crop top on top so it's the least intimate item of clothing but just hmm. give them it in a bag and they can infer whether it's dirty or not we had uh, a pair of wellies on our doorstep what? Uh, the whole way through the winter are wellies oh okay um so that because we live in the country when you go outside and it's muddy good to have wellies right there uh, so you can change from your normal shoes into them um, and they were there on the doorstep right the way through the winter. And I ordered my second cousin a 21st birthday present from the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a watch. Uh, and it never arrived. Hmm. So I wrote to the company and I was like, this is outrageous. This is his 21st. You know, you ruined his birthday, da, da, da. And they were adamant that they delivered it. And I knew they hadn't. Anyway, it turned out the postie had put it in the welly boot. That's incredibly weird. Yeah. You would have to put the note through the door saying... In the welly boot. Yes. Yeah. And it was only actually when he came round dressed in a Christmas pudding onesie for his what? time to give me a tip round that well, he he's said... he's not wearing uniform. He's not getting a tip if he's out of uniform. <laughs> that he said, all right, mate, how are you? Merry Christmas. Oh, did you get the parcel that I put in your welly boot three weeks ago? And I was obviously grateful that he tried to deliver something when we weren't there, but also so angry that he'd been responsible for this uh, chaos 
that I then didn't give him a tip. So his his Ouch. extra level of service backfired dramatically upon him. Well, it's going to backfire on you when he puts other things in those welly boots. Yeah, well, crop top and bra <laughs> belonging to someone else. I think it could be something a little bit more squidgy. <laughs> Hello, this is Chris in Boston Edmonds. Helen and Ollie, answer me this. Uh, my wife and I were just finishing off our curry and tidying away the the remains. And we were wondering, has anyone in the, in the history of takeaway food ever countenanced the opening of, let alone the eating of, the sad little bag of salad that comes with an Indian takeaway? Um, like, why on earth would you include that? Who thinks, hmm, a little bit of salad, that'll just seal the deal. I've eaten the bag of salad. Me too. Even though our local place is pretty much a bag of sliced onion. Me too. Basically just chopped white onion and a bit of lettuce and yes. maybe if you're lucky, some coriander leaf. But I mean, you've got to well, be really, that's, you know... That's by accident. That's top end. Design. <laughs> One tomato slice yeah. and a lemon wedge. Yeah. Um, I've eaten it because uh, sometimes you want something to cut the uh, the spicy, greasy, rich food. I think as well it's recognisable, isn't it? You know, we have to remember it's been a phenomenal success, the uh, launch of the Indian takeaway in Britain over the last three or four decades. But yeah. when... when when it first began here this sort of you know very bizarrely colored foreign stuff stuff that tastes of something stuff, what is it <laughs> exactly pack full of, of flavor and uh, foreign ingredients when people first saw that i think it probably would have been quite reassuring to at least be able to identify an onion ever popular in britain onions the other thing that i think and this is just a theory i don't know mm-hmm. but my guess is when indian takeaway started up really the only other takeaway that there was uh, apart from i guess pizza uh, would have been Chinese. That was the big success on the British High Street. Mm-hmm. And I think the Indians looked at what the Chinese takeaways were doing. What were they doing? They were chucking in the prawn crackers for free. Right. So right. they think free things. People love free things. People love what's, free things. What's cheap? Crap iceberg lettuce. Well, yeah, no, I think what they probably thought initially, and Papadoms. it remains with us indeed, Papadoms. And Papadoms are the prawn crackers of the mm, Indian takeaway. But, but a lot bigger. But then, you know, classic uh, immigrant mentality. They're like, how can we better that? You know, how can mm. we slightly provide a better service and edge it over the Chinese? Free bag of lettuce and onion as well. Well, that could have happened the reverse way. Chinese takeaways might be like, well, the Indian's doing very well. What can we give people? Yeah. Prawn crackers. Here's a question from Jace from Leicester who says, I have a colleague at work who is a massive fan of Mike Oldfield. Don't we all? <laughs> I work on my own, so no. <laughs> uh, I overheard tubular bells as her ringtone and she explained at great length that she loved his work. And bought so many of his albums. Yeah, I imagine if you're a big fan of Tubular Bells, then brevity isn't really a strong suit of yours. <laughs> <laughs> she shares this love of his work with her two daughters. Oh, that's nice, isn't it? I've heard that it's a gene you pass on, the, uh, <laughs> the old field gene. It might be recessive, like uh, being ginger. And she said they were all devastated by his death last year at such a relatively young age. Mike Oldfield having been born in 1953. They even held a teary-eyed candlelit vigil listening to Omadorn or such multi-instrumental nonsense. Guessing Jace from Leicester is not such a Mike Oldfield fan. So, Ollie, answer me this. How do I explain, without making her look like a complete twat box, that her musical hero is very much alive? <laughs> complete twat box, I think, is the name of the... Uh five cd box set of oldfield's work <laughs> so um, just five cds not 50 uh well actually i don't think you need to feel that guilty because yes there was an oldfield death hoax earlier this year oh was there um, mm. was it a twitter thing or not twitter uh, facebook mainly as far as i can tell oh. but of course twitter went mad for it as well why do people do that because they're twats awful um imagine how happy she's going to be exactly she won't make her feel like a twat but she'll be the happiest woman alive except then she's got to go through the grief all over again when if he actually he, does yeah die. yeah although you you would be pointing out to her that she can't use google that's not great well 
Maybe she doesn't know that she can't use Google because th- she's never heard of Google. I think she'd thank you for it, though, wouldn't she? I think so. I, uh, so this is how I would do it, Jace. I would send her a uh, email with three or four links to articles about the death hoax. What you do is you say, "Hey, friend, I know you're a Mike Oldfield fan. Spotted this. Thought you should know!" Exclamation mark. Four links. So it looks like loads of people fell for it. Because actually, in fairness, they did. Like, over a million people liked on Facebook Mike Oldfield RIP page. They may not have been fans. Yeah, I know. Cumbersome, isn't it? Not having a a dislike for death. Um, But anyway, uh, send those links, and then she'll think, oh, okay, well, lots of people fell for this. This is the thing that was in the news. You know, it's not just us. But easier solution for you, Jace, go to MikeOldfieldOfficial.com, Mike Oldfield's official website, Mm -hmm. and sign her up for the Mike Oldfield updates. I think my idea is better, but I like the fact we've provided two solutions. Mike Oldfield's such a f- strange character, isn't he? Very weird. He's kind of like a Brian Eno with no credibility. He sold lots, lots more records. And yet, Mike Oldfield's uh, Moonlight Shadow is the first song I can ever remember is that hearing. Mike Oldfield? Yeah. What do you mean, and yet, as if that would make him more cool? Uh, <laughs> tainted by connection with young Helen Zaltzman, just, he should surely be a folk hero. It's just you can't choose these landmarks in your life. Yeah, the thing about Mike Oldfield is he was, actually, when you think about it, super cool uh, in the 70s not only was tubular bells a kind of groundbreaking uh, album and it introduced electronic music and launched virgin records oh, all of that yeah. quite cool anyway but then it became the soundtrack to the exorcist genuinely cool oh, right. and then off the back of that like with that as your ground he then did the royal wedding anthem for charles and Di no! and recorded an album oh. called qe2 named after the cruise liner was he it's like he deliberately for... sabotaged his own call immediately maybe he just wanted free cruise tickets <laughs> who doesn't me you, would, is that right though i think i'd have a bad time on a cruise you see now i'm not naturally someone who would want to go cruising and don't interpret that in any other way than getting on a boat um but if someone now gave me for free <laughs> tickets uh on a gay P&O cruise ship <laughs> uh, i would consider going because i'd be interested to know uh what that was like i'd like to go but i wouldn't on... pay for it that's what i'm saying if someone wants to give me free tickets for a cruise i'd be I'd, that's the circumstances under which i'd try cruising the cruise i would enjoy is going around the fjords of norway with my mum because she's always wanted to do that my dad doesn't want to go so i'd like to go you okay. should do that. Yeah, I should go. I should do that. So if any of you could give me free ones, that would make me and my mum really happy. There we go. So we've both blagged uh, free cruise ships. You never or know who's we? listening. Martin, would you like a cruise Set of any out. kind? Maybe an old field cruise? No, I think it'd be right. <laughs> Maybe that is, though, what happened. Maybe he did get free tickets on the QE2 for life. Which... I just don't, but it's so strange. Like I can't think of, I can think of so few artists who are so important to a particular generation. Mm. And you ask someone above that age, and they would have no idea. No idea. Like, maybe like Kiss in America? Yeah. Like, no one in this country who, who's younger than, like, 30 cares or knows who Kiss is. Yeah, sure, but if 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 they heard that's tubular bells. They wouldn't they they would know. I mean maybe not for my rendition, but they would know they wouldn't know that's Mike Oldfield, but they'd be like, Oh yeah, I've heard that. That's familiar. Yeah. I mean but I guess it's just like a ringtone, isn't it, to kids now? He's quite reclusive as well. for tax reasons he's lived all over the world. Oh, is he? Where does he live now? Bit of Ibiza, bit of Bahamas. Yeah, in so. Ibiza, is he playing the super clubs there? That'd be really funny. I actually, <laughs> I, he turned up to manumission. It was Mike Oldfield. Yeah. <laughs> I think you laugh, but I think that's happened. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, he is a pioneer of electric music, yes. so I guess he would have. It would be Calvin Harris featuring Mike Oldfield, wouldn't it? Mm. But there's still some cred there, I guess. A lot of pioneers don't necessarily travel well 30 years hence well but they said that about Nile Rogers didn't they and he's come around again I yeah, mean, in a way, he went away wait. and came yeah back. exactly that's what I mean but I, it is entirely conceivable in fact I'd even put a bet on it that Daft, uh, Daft Punk with if Mike you're Oldfield. listening to the exactly if you're listening to this now in 2020 I bet there's a Daft Punk record with Mike Oldfield on it I've got a question email your question 
to answer me this podcast at googlemail.com. 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 It's wedding season. Hooray! Yeah. Oh, people hating the people they used to love. My annual opportunity to reaffirm why I absolutely have no interest in getting married whatsoever. Elizabeth is in Lincoln and she says, I'm getting married next month. Congratulations. It's all going fine, which is good, isn't it? Fine. Mm. Fine yeah. is pretty good at this not, stage. Not so dramatic for our purposes, but, you know, good for you. At this stage, I had started to mentally collapse and I started frantically making a lot of patchwork tablecloths against all rationality. Well, there you are. Maybe you have that to look forward to, Elizabeth. She says, it's all going fine, but, but, plus ones are the bane of my life when it's come to the invite list. Oh, dear. Sorry. Um, we're having a pretty small wedding and reception. I think the less expensive randoms I have to pay for, the better. So that is that is her take on plus ones. Fair enough. They're expensive randoms. That's nice, right. isn't it? Yeah, I understand. Rather than baggage. the people who are making her friends happy. Uh, yeah, sod <laughs> happiness. It's not what this is about. <laughs> One of my bridesmaids, continues Elizabeth, is someone who I made friends with on a uni course. She always sounds like she's commodifying this friendship, doesn't she? Rather, yeah. rather than just uh, saying, you know, one of my friends is a friend from uni. She's a B minus friend. Exactly. Yeah. If I'd, yeah. if I'd met her at yoga. B plus. She started compartmentalising. You can sounds, feel that. That sounds like a low two one to me. But I think Wedmin does this to people. Um, she doesn't really have any other links to other groups of friends at the wedding. And as a result, <laughs> I've said she can have a plus one. That was nice of you, I Elizabeth, think. your kindness knows no bounds. Yeah. Your bridesmaid is entitled to have someone there she knows. The person she wants to bring, I've only met once. He seems nice enough, and although she says their relationship is going really well, I'm not convinced about how serious they are or how important he is to her. Is it for you to gauge? Maybe you should send a questionnaire. Maybe you should have sent her a pre-approved list of plus ones. (laughs) Uh, They only met in October last year, continues Elizabeth. She refuses to refer to him as a boyfriend. I wonder how seriously Elizabeth has pushed her on this point. (laughs) Say it or your puppy gets it. Uh, I can't! Boyfriend is my safe word. Uh, (laughs) She refuses to refer to him as a boyfriend or any kind of label. Sounds like feminism in action. Mm. Um, And has already dumped him once. Well, it's common, isn't it, in the early stages of a relationship to have doubts. Just don't know. know, And they think, yeah, I do like him, but we're not quite up to boyfriend stage yet. Uh, I've expressed some reservations about all this, says Elizabeth, attempting to jokily say, do you think you'll be together long enough to be at the wedding? (laughs) (laughs) Good joke, Elizabeth. Lol. (laughs) But she seems determined to bring him. Well, you did say that she could. That's right, yes. And and then question her about it repeatedly, and the answer was, yes, I would like to bring Mm him. I, I think it seems unreasonable that she would change her mind correct um i just think says elizabeth it would be better for her to bring along a friend rather than a relatively random man Mm. you've got to be really careful elizabeth because you know there's the danger you're getting married you start to be very judgy about the unmarried people's relationships Mm. in your life you're not an expert on their lives so helen answer me this do i have any right to veto her choice no you gave her the choice if she was someone she'd picked up the week before i could understand this yes but, but even then, what do you say? So, uh, oh, right. Well, uh, what's his surname? Oh, not sure. Mm, do you think he's really going to fit in? Uh, this is actually the plot of the pilot episode of Bloodlines. I don't know if you've been watching Oh, it. I haven't. Um, and in that, we see how bringing someone random along to uh, a family event, it's not a wedding, but it's mm. a big family event, can ruffle some feathers. 
Uh, but it provides a lot of drama and excitement in the pilot episode of Bloodlines uh, compared mm. to the rest of the series, which moves along at a more or less deathly pace. Oh, but um, it's providing a lot of drama and excitement in this question from Elizabeth. Well, this is the thing. I, I actually think it might be quite nice to introduce a little renegade element into the wedding. You know, because yeah. you know you're there because you want to make a loving commitment to your husband-to-be. Why not just shake things up a bit amongst the crowd? Also, I think it actually uh, speaks quite well of him that he wants to come to a wedding where even his girlfriend, girlfriend inverted commas, doesn't really know anyone so he knows no one except her that is usually quite boring when you're at a wedding where you know nobody and yet he still wants to go or he's still willing to go that's pretty good of him isn't it yes i think so and he might be nice you know you've got to trust your friend's judgment have if you, she likes him have you met him she's met him once she said he met right. him once yeah and seems nice enough nice enough nice enough nice to, come, enough to, your to come to your wedding yeah i think that said yeah. i would take the advice uh, that i learned the hard way mm-hmm. from watching my friends jalin and shalini at their wedding i was the best man uh, my girlfriend was in the wedding photo obviously uh, when i was there and our group of friends were photographed yep um the other three friends that were in the photo there was becky there was jeremy there was che uh, all three of them had partners with them at that wedding that they mm-hmm. then split up with within two months. So within two months, that wedding photo was completely out of date. Yeah. And what you couldn't chop them out. So what you have to do is you've got to keep the partners at the edge of the photo so you can crop them. Oh, that's good advice. Does, um, does it, is that really such a painful Well, it's a bit weird, yeah, because... Like how often do you look at like the wedding photo of your friend, not even the person that you were best man for? The relationships ended so quickly that by the time the photos got developed from the photographer <laughs> and presented to them in a wedding album, right. uh, all of those relationships had fallen apart. Couldn't they Photoshop in the faces of their newer partners? <laughs> Just onto the bodies of the people they were going with Why before. Why not? The advice I give to pretty much every wedding question we get is, is what you want worth ruining a friendship over? And the day, to yeah. an extent. I give that with you know wedding presents, yeah. bridesmaid issues, stuff. Think long-term, Elizabeth, and... Just just allow it. You said she could bring someone. Yes. You didn't say that you had to have the veto. Yeah. Just let her have it. Unless he's like a complete reprobate this who's going to like kick everything killer. over. Yes, exactly. Yeah. What's going to happen? Although by allowing this person to bring a plus one, someone else is now going to get upset that they can't. And that that is something you've done now that in a way possibly, arguably, yeah. you shouldn't have. But this is a bridesmaid, you see, so she gets extra privileges. So you can justify it, can't you? Yes, you yeah. can say, yeah, you they're probably, higher up the pecking order, yeah. You're probably making her do a lot of annoying, expensive stuff, so give yeah. her the plus one. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. No, no, yeah. you've won me over. No, fair enough. Okay, you've done nothing wrong, Elizabeth, apart from the terrible thoughts you've had in your head. Yeah, but just keep them in your head and she doesn't need to know. It'll be fine. You won't even notice him on the day. You won't get to spend time with the, the people you really want to see. You won't even see this guy. Yeah. Or Unless he might be he the life everything. and soul of the party. He might be. Yeah. You might run off with him. <laughs> It happens, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does in films. Yeah. Not so much in life. <laughs> you think not? Uh, one hopes. Yeah. One hopes not. I've never seen the bride run off with a guest at the party at the party itself, but I have heard of relationships where people have met that way. Well, anyway, your solution remains pretty much the same, irrespective Just, of the question. It's not that important, Elizabeth. I know it's your money, but really, in the amount of money you're spending on this day, relatively small amount. And my solution remains always the same. Don't, Don't get, get married. <laughs> always ask one what one does for fun well one enjoys watching gok one and a fish called wonder one is also partial to one direction and the wanted and the short-lived billy corgan bands one the answer me this jubilee one hour of her majesty's pleasure available now on itunes
Time for a question from Pat from Canada who says, My husband and I were talking about where we would like to retire uh, in about 10 years. Fortunately, money won't be a problem, she predicts confidently. It could be another global meltdown by then, Pat. Um, (laughs) Maybe she's doing the Breaking Bad work scheme, but doing it right. (laughs) Uh, Money won't be a problem, but temperature will be. Um, You see, she says, my husband doesn't like the cold. Nor do retirees, traditionally. Yeah, as your circulation slows down a bit, you feel the cold more. Yeah, I, but here's the rub, Helen. Oh. I don't like the heat. Me neither, Pat. Let's retire together. Oh, dear. Potato, potato. Mm. No one in the world says potato. Listeners, please write in if you've ever heard anyone say potato. (laughs) No, Uh, you haven't. No one's going to write in. We both like the fall and spring temperatures, continues Pat, but he is miserable during the winter. It's like me. Mm. I'd imagine a Canadian winter as well is quite brisk. uh, Indeed. Uh, And I am now dreading the oncoming summer. Me too, Pat. Helen, answer me this. Is there somewhere in the world where the temperature is always somewhere between 50 degrees Fahrenheit (laughs) and 75 degrees Fahrenheit? I think the fridge in our local Tesco is judging by the ice lollies. (laughs) Uh, Where you might need a light jacket, but you don't have to have the air conditioner on or the furnace on most of the time. Um... I think, well, the Bay Area. Yeah. I haven't checked the exact temperature graph, but the Bay Area is fairly temperate all year round. And then if Pat wants to set up a startup or something, she's in the right place already. Oh, everything about her email suggests she is ready to embark upon internet entrepreneurialism. I think Tasmania is fairly even and New Zealand. New Zealand has a lot of microclimates, so there's bound to be one to suit both of you. Yes, and a lot of people I've heard that have visited New Zealand from Britain say... Uh, that it's it's kind of like an idealised version of what the UK scenery should be like. Cricket teas, all of that. Yeah, but it's kind of it's it's very green and lush because it rains, but yeah. it's not freezing cold because of the ozone layer being missing. Yeah. So it's actually quite bright and pleasant. Yeah, a they lot get of the a time. lot of sunshine, even yeah. though they also get a lot of rain. The very south of England would be quite good. Someone like Cornwall, like yes, yeah, it, Cornwall. In winter, yes, it gets below. It does just, just about get below freezing. You've got it to have be quite cloudy. a fire on. She's saying she doesn't want a fire in the winter. You, there's not really you anywhere. You die if you live in Cornwall in the winter without a fire. There really aren't places that. Never ever get cold and never well, ever no, get stop hot. Saying that. That. Well, actually, okay, I've got a suggestion. All right. Uh, the Azores. Archipelago really? off uh, the coast of Portugal in the middle of the Atlantic. Uh, it has a pretty consistent mild climate all year really? round. Really? Yes. Okay. Um, I've been. Yes, I know. Uh, and I know. I went, you went at Christmas. I went at Christmas, and uh, I wouldn't exactly call it a sunshine break at Christmas. It's, kind of, it's basically like a slightly dull British summer's day yep. most of the year. The thing about the Azores is they are built on a volcanic set of islands as well, so there's okay. a risk that the whole thing could go boom at any point. And they've had quite a few plane crashes there. Huh. Uh, statistically, what? more really? likely to have a plane crash there than in other places. Why? Well, I, my theory is, because it's pretty much the only landmass mm. uh, between Portugal and America, oh, do you uh, think if your plane planes... starts going down, yeah. then you land, uh, you crash land into the Azores, so that probably skews mm. the stats, doesn't it? Hello, Helen and Ollie. It's Mia. I'm 14 years old. Helen and Ollie and Martin Zalman, please answer me this. When I go to the supermarket and I'm frequently looking for the product that is quinoa or quinoa, which pronunciation is it? Is it quinoa or quinoa? I got very confused and asked the shop assistant for quinoa and they are, they said, wait, hang on, do you mean quinoa? That's where we are in time. 14-year-olds are buying quinoa. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Not cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> ancient grains with high protein content. Quinoa, isn't it, is it the is answer. Quinoa. Yeah. And, and the weird thing is, it was used to be spelt K-I-N-W-A in the ancient Andean language whence it came. And then the Spanish conquerors changed it to 
quinoa with the infernal spelling. Oh, is that right? Cheeky Spanish. They also forced the Incas to stop growing quinoa and start growing wheat because they knew that they used quinoa in religious ceremonies and they wanted to ruin it. But uh, putting your David Crystal hat on for a second, and yes. I, I know you have a hat made of all of his books, <laughs> isn't it the case that as so many people are saying quinoa, mm-hmm. um, in time it might be called that anyway, so maybe there's not a right and wrong here anyway? I think it would just be better to change it back to quinoa. With a K. Spell, yeah, with a K and a Y at yeah, the end. Yeah, I think that is probably better, yeah. I'm, I'm in favour of phonetic spellings. Yes. Well, maybe both will happen, actually. People will say quinoa and people will say quinoa and it will be spelled with a K. Yeah, then we'll end up in a yogurt nightmare, nightmare again, oh, won't we? Oh, no! Be that all over again. Oh. Um, now, technically, because quinoa is a grain, you can, and I've never tried it, but you can theoretically make bread from it. Yeah, I've used quinoa flour in biscuits and cakes. How do they taste? Quite a lot like quinoa, but with chocolate chips in. I think quinoa bread... Is going to be the next big thing. You think about it. Uh, like twats like me that haven't eaten bread for 18 months, cutting out bread for my health. I don't know why I'm doing that. I just know that it was making me fat. I don't know if it's gluten. I don't know what that means. Uh, it's, it's because that which bread is made of just breaks down into sugar almost immediately. Is that different with quinoa? Yeah, because quinoa has higher protein content. So why isn't Pret selling quinoa sandwiches? Because um, I'd buy one. I'd I, pay probably... I'd pay £6.50 for a stupid quinoa prawn cocktail sandwich. They've come. They're going to deliver it. <laughs> quinoa for all the kids. I think. I, I think it's probably the case that quinoa flour doesn't rise like bread flour does. That's the problem with a lot of these alternative grains, Ollie. They just don't make nice bread. They, you can make a nice quinoa chapati or tortilla wrap or something. So basically, I've got the right idea from a branding point of view, but uh, the grain has yet to adapt to my modern way of thinking. Quinoa wraps, though. Then you could be on to a winner. Quinoa wraps. Quinoa really? nachos. Mm. You could easily do that. Why? I'm, I'm almost tempted to cut this out of the podcast and just go and start as, a, as an entrepreneur and start yeah, this up right now. Yeah, quinoa nachos, that sounds great. I, I totally, and you would, we're both of us twats enough that we pay more for a quinoa nacho to try them. Well, because mm. the grain does cost a lot. You only, have to, you only have to try it once and then suddenly you've got the next courgette ships. Here's another question of supermarkets from Tom in Reading who says, I was at Tesco Express earlier and saw a man take a single banana off a bunch and pay for it. It's the new Gods! olive bar. <laughs> I've never done this before and wouldn't because I would find it socially awkward separating a banana from its mates you think oh what if they want to get back to the banana party uh but accept it is completely fine as you pay by weight it got me thinking though ollie answer me this could you peel the banana and pay for it that way well you could you could take a shit in the middle of the supermarket couldn't you but you wouldn't because that would be obviously wrong well what's it's he saying, not obvious, he saying tom. way less to take yes, the skin off it, the banana it would save money says tom but you're paying for that's an ed- ridiculous this goes for all the packaging doesn't yeah, it yeah you could like debone a lamb shank and just chuck some meat <laughs> yeah. in the bucket couldn't you surely the shop couldn't do anything about it obviously you'd put it in a bag to stop it having to touch the disgusting scales or worse the cashier's hands but well, then the banana comes in its own bag made of its own skin yeah actually did you see that there was this sort of meme wasn't there on social media really? a couple of months ago if someone had spotted morrison's were individually packing bananas in cellophane oh, for god's <laughs> sake but they do that with coconuts as well the near impenetrable coconut gets shrink wrapped so bizarre got Very. god's packaging on it yeah well Ollie, answer me this. Can you peel bananas before paying for them to save on weight? You can, but you shouldn't. You obviously shouldn't. And you're weird. If you wouldn't even separate a banana from a bunch, if you wanted fewer bananas than on the bunch, then you're never going to have the guts to do this, Tom. Well, I'm with Tom that I wouldn't have done that. I know well, what he's saying, you pay by weight, but you... I I've don't know. done that. I've have done you? that. And you do that with ginger as well. You snap off the amount of ginger you No, want. never. Yeah, of course. Yeah, never. Literally well, never. Though you meant to. The price of the banana is factored in the fact that some of it is dead weight and some of it's the skin. In the same yes, way that exactly. when you get a T-bone steak, you factor in the fact that there's a bone Precisely. in it. Precisely, yes. And in fact, if, if they'd peeled the banana, if you wanted a peeled banana, you then can... you'd pay more for it to be packaged in a protective atmosphere oh, where the banana, pe- the banana be, hadn't gone off. That's going to be the next thing, isn't it? Peeled bananas, like buying apple segments rather oh, than the whole why apple. Why did people buy a packet of apple segments? It's weird, isn't it? 
It's, um, it's, it's babified. I put my picture on Tinder, but nobody swiped right. I went on Match and OkCupid, no suitors would bite. My body clock is ticking and I need to find my Mr. Right! Or at least a willing donor. With a personal website built through squarespace.com You can edit text and pictures till you look like the bomb And if you don't find a man, at least be comforted by the peeping toms It's a cold comfort, I just want to be loved Thank you, Squarespace, for your support of this episode of Answer Me This. And for you supporting websites that actually look good and work and are easy to build for even people like Muggins here. Yeah, or Muggins here. Uh, my website, ollyman.co.uk, built with my fair hands using oh, Squarespace. Oh, you do have fair hands. And isn't it beautiful? Mm, it's a bit bright, I think. It's fine. I mean, I'm not saying it's a great example of what you can do, but it's something that took me virtually no time at all. So well done, chaps, for designing yeah. something so lovely. And you can uh, make a store and you can make a gallery or... Or portfolio or menu you have a play with their free trial and then if you like it and you sign up you can get 10 percent off for a year if you use the code answer and you're also demonstrating to squarespace that you like this show so they carry on giving us money to make the show without which we could not make the show everyone is a winner yes uh, carly in oxford says uh, a couple of days ago i was with a group of friends and we decided to play a friendly game of monopoly no, no such, such thing. thing however we never actually managed to play as we couldn't get round the board once Due to a major dispute over the rules. Sounds fun. I have always played with the rule that you cannot purchase anything on your first go round the board. Oh, it's like the peloton mm. where uh, the cyclists have to stay behind the guide bike until near the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The Grand Prix, they do that as well, don't they, first lap? Yeah. Uh, but my friend claims this is not true. Mm-hmm. Uh, she says, I've searched and searched, but I cannot find a confirmation of either rule. So Helen, answer me this. Can you buy properties on the first go round the board? Yes. There's nothing in any of the official rules that I have read that says you can't... What you can't do is build houses and hotels on the first round. Yeah, but You that's... can't buy a street and then build on it in the same go. But that's in any round, isn't it? That's not just the first round of the board. You can't, yeah. you can't buy yeah. Pall Mall and then start building hotels instantly Yeah, anyway. but that, that means by default in the first go round, no one is buying sure, any houses Sure, it doesn't make hotels. the first round special. So, no. Yeah. What I did not know is that if you choose not to buy the property that you've landed on, the banker can then auction it off. I don't think I've ever played by those rules. Is that a standard rule? Yeah. No one rule. plays that. It's not how life works, though, also, is it? Also, it takes no. out the element of chance. Yeah. Yeah. Then it is just pure capitalism. Well, and, and also strategy, because you might think, well, I don't want to buy this now because I'm speculating, but also I don't want someone else to have it, so I yeah. better buy it. You don't want to have to buy it just so no one else buys it. No, no indeed. And, and the point of you having that strategic talk with yourself because you don't know whether you can land on it again in the future is the fun bit of the game. If you think, well, next time someone else lands on it and they don't want it, I'll buy it from them. Yeah, a bit yeah. boring. Yeah. But I guess the game would be over much quicker if you play by the Good. official rules. The game is never over quickly, though. No, but maybe because no one plays by the official rules. And the thing that I like, but again, it extends the game, is the thing, if you ever played this, where you put all the fines that you give to the banker in the middle of the board, and then when someone lands on free parking, yeah, lands yeah. it. Oh, yeah, we used to play that role. That's yeah. good fun. Yeah. Because if someone goes from being pretty much bankrupt and about to leave the game to winning everything, great game. It's but just then not it lasts a meritocratic game. <laughs> this is Katie from Christchurch in New Zealand. I was just talking with my boyfriend about new board games we could try, and I remember that I once saw an Eminem version of Monopoly, and it made me wonder how many versions of Monopoly are there. Every time we go to stores, we always count them, and the most we've ever seen is, I think, 17. Um, but uh, Helen and Ollie and Martin are sound man, answer me that. How many types of Monopoly are there in the world? It's an odd little quirk, isn't it, every time you see uh, 
a brand extension for Monopoly that you then count how many are in the store. They have to, otherwise the house will burn down. Hey, a bit of a, OCD. It is a little bit, isn't it? That's the thing. It's kind of a funny thing to do once when you're bored in Toys R Us to then make it into a trend feels a bit odd. Also, Katie, are you keeping a log? Because you might be counting one novelty Monopoly set several times. Well, actually, You might see it every time you go to the store rather than there being new ones. Uh, you, you don't need to keep a log because a man, I assume it's a man, it must be a man, <laughs> called Sexist. Yehuda online, uh, has been keeping a list since 2006 Gosh. of every Monopoly spin-off game. Uh, would you care to guess how many he has catalogued? I'll give mm. you the uh, provisos first. Mm-hmm. He hasn't included translations. So, for example, yeah. some of the spin-offs, like, I don't know, Pixar Cars, mm. like, he hasn't counted all 50 translations of Pixar Cars Monopoly. No. That no. counts as one. Yes, quite um, right. So he's, <laughs> he's, But he has included the unofficial ones, because not all mm. of them are made by Parker Brothers and, and Waddingtons and whatever. Hasbro. And Hasbro. Some of them are obviously a bit dubious. But they've all ended in the word Opoly. Uh, so he hasn't included the ones that are called, like... Oxford Street in a box which is basically the same but isn't Monopoly so he's included the ones okay. that end mm. Opoly and have the same board format have the same Monopoly. board format but aren't necessarily official tie-ins okay. how many he's been counting since 2006 mm. recently updated okay. last month 242 242 says Helen do you have any rise on that I was going to go around that I was going to say uh, yeah 256 you, you are both way off when I tell oh. you way off I'm seriously not 700 Okay, and a final rise from Martin on 700. 1,013. 2,769. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a version shitter than the Monopoly spin-off we've got, which is the Wolverhampton version? (laughs) Hey, there's Baghdad. (laughs) Um, I mean, that would be fascinating, I suppose. What if it's a good way to learn about new places? Like, if before you went there on holiday, you could just look at all the... It's very skewed, though, isn't it? Like the London one. You're like, oh, I'm going to go to the waterworks, and then I'm going to go to the old Kent Road. <laughs> yeah. And then Mayfair. Uh, there are some really fun ones. There's, uh, there's an Angry Birds one, obviously, that came out yeah. a couple of years ago. Simpsons one. Uh, what are the locations for Angry Birds, then? Because I don't remember it being very geographically uh, grounded. That's a good point, yeah. It's going to be... It, they probably have to say, like, Redbird's house and shit like that. Yeah, not very interesting. Really it types of forest, I guess. Um, but um, there's a Metallica one. Oh, but you quite like that one. And what are the pla- are they like songs then that you stop at? I, I imagine. And the jail is Napster. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and there's a BBC Radio One version where presumably a lot of their presenters go straight to jail. Ooh. What? what? Well, hey. it depends on the era. If it's seventies Radio One, I imagine it is. I imagine it is. I don't think Radio One would do a Monopoly tie-in now. It doesn't feel right, does it? If it came out now, I would feel too old to play it. If you got a question, answer me this podcast at googlemail.com But you haven't got a scoop, answer me this podcast at googlemail.com Or if you really have to phone, 0818 you're up with the here's a question from carly who says my flatmate travels for work and i have looked after her two cats for five of the past nine months before her most recent trip, she said she didn't have a will. Of course, that would be the natural conversation you'd have when it just before you leave to go on a work trip. By the way, <laughs> if I die, just want you to know, haven't got a will, enjoy the flat. But that if she died, she wanted the cats to go back to the breeder and not to her family. 
Mm. I was a bit surprised that she didn't ask if I wanted the cats, as I'm the only other person they have a bond with. Yes. That's what cats want you to think. Exactly. Mm, that is exactly. almost entirely in your head. Exactly. They have a bond in that they've recognised that you feed them when, yeah. when your flatmate isn't there. Those are the manipulatrixes. The look for the tasty bits once you're dead. I'm not a cat person, says Carly, but I really feel that if my flatmate dies, I am the best person to take the cats. Right. They're very attached to me and I am quite fond of them. So, Ollie, answer me this. Am mm. I wrong to intend to take the cats should she die? Yes, you are wrong to do that if the will states otherwise you'd be breaking the law. Yes, but she doesn't have a will. But then you think if she's so determined for her family not to get the cats, if she dies without a will, her family will automatically get the cats. So they if she... not want the cats. No, exactly. So you need, Carly, to make a deal with the family that if she dies you'll get the cats but then it will sound like you are going to bump her off yes in order to get the cats and therefore if she does have an accident it's going to look bad for you suspicion will fall on you the cat killer they'll call you if she's dead she won't know who gets the cats what if the breeder doesn't want them the breeder is probably the one person not short of cats (laughs) (laughs) true um actually uh, you know viewing this from the position of the cat person if you actually said look I'd love to take the cats because I think that they have a bond with me. Actually, your flatmate would probably be thrilled. She probably thinks, oh God, I've burdened my flatmate with the cats. She puts up with it, but she wouldn't want to actually look after them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the thing is, I've found is that as a cat person, leaving my cat with a non-cat person is actually quite traumatic for me. Um, right. So that's why she's probably saying just off the top of her head, oh, I'd rather it went to the breeder. Because then you know that the breeder are at least not going to kill the cat uh, by accident. Um, whereas you, you leave it with a non-cat person... So my mate Che lived in our house for a week last year. Yeah. We went to France. He looked after the cat. We had a, a, a text message from him whilst we were in on Fleur, you know, many hundreds of miles away, uh, saying Coco's just done a big shit on the floor. <laughs> now, that never happens. That has never happened the whole time we've owned her. Well, not that you've noticed. That would be very odd behaviour indicative of something seriously ill. Right. Um, Depends on the texture oh. of the shit. She might have just been a punk. Yeah, she might just be uncomfortable with someone on her territory it could be that but it made us worried immediately because we thought well that's never happened before uh and then the whole way through the holiday me and my girlfriend were like we didn't think we'd go back because the cat had done a shit but we did think right in the future the cat's going to a cattery we're not going to give it to a non-cat person who doesn't understand and then actually when we got back and i saw her behavior i realized that probably almost certainly what had happened is she'd done a spew which is commonplace. Yeah. Cats do that uh, all the bloody time. Uh, yeah. And it had firmed up in the heat uh. of the summer sun and looked like a shit. Now, a cat person would have identified that immediately and not even called me about it. Yeah. Mm. But because he was like, well, she's done a shit in the middle of the carpet. I had to clean it up. I had to use cat carpet cleaner, you know, all this stuff. I was like, oh my God, she's really ill. So it's just, it, maybe it's just that anxiety of leaving your cat with a non-cat person. Maybe you need to leave your cat with a non-cat person and a card index with all the different kinds of things that could emerge from your cat with a picture next to them yes. so they know what to look out for. <laughs> take, take a gallery of all the different bodily fluids that have emerged from your cat over the course of the year so that they're well yeah. prepared. This brings us to the end of this episode of Answer Me This. But... But do send us questions for the next episode via email, phone or Skype and our contact details are on our website answermethispodcast.com and remember the weeks that you don't get a shiny new episode of Answer Me This on a Thursday there will be an episode waiting for you of both The Illusionist, Helen's podcast, and the media podcast, my podcast, to keep you entertained and amused. That's good value, isn't it? Well, for free, yeah. You could mix them together and pretend that we're in the same studio. The Media Illusionist. You have to chuck in uh, some some brain train or send the latest podcast to have made it. Think about it. Absolutely. And you can also congregate with us online at Facebook and Twitter. And it just remains for us to say thanks to Squarespace for sponsoring this episode. Thank you. And thank you for listening. Bye!